gang. How's it going? Is it going well? I certainly hope so. Traffic, am I right? Ah, well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Now it's time for a brand new episode of your favorite podcast. That's right. I said it. I said it. It's your favorite. Here we go. Brand new episode of Terribly Funny. I'm your host. I'm your pal. I'm Steve Bazelon. And this, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. And today we've got a great guest. He's a very old friend. Uh, we hail from the same alma mater, good old Emerson College. He's a uh, wildly talented writer and actor and producer and performer. It's Dave Horowitz. What can I tell you about Dave? Well, he's written for things that you love. Things like Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 and Mixology. And most recently, a little-known show called Rick and Morty. What I'm saying, he talented. He real good. And today he's going to talk to us about, ooh, one of those delightful periods in your life, which is a kind of a shitstorm, if you will. You know, when you have a period where when it's raining, but it just won't stop, when nothing will go your way, and it's just a bunch of trauma, and it sticks with you for a long time. I've definitely had those periods, and today Dave's going to tell us what it was like when he went through that period. We're going to get to that in just one second. But before we do, let me say this. Friends, do you like this podcast? I assume you do. You're listening to me right now. So if you do, go to our iTunes page, give us a rating, give us a review, uh, tell your friends, also subscribe. You can also check us out on the social media. Uh, at Twitter, it's terribly underscore funny. On Instagram, where you can see a great picture of me and Dave, it's terribly funny podcast. Give us a follow. Also, if you want to drop me a line and say, hey man, what's happening? How's your week going? I would love to hear from you sincerely. I, I like the dialogue. Uh, you can drop me a line at terribly funny podcast at Gmail. There, that shit's done. Now let's get to the good part. And that's our friend, your friend of mine, Dave Horowitz, talking about what it's like to go through a real rough patch. Buckle up, everybody. Brand new episode. I'm one to not give myself too much credit for any kind of like a revelation, but my uh, therapist is quick to remind me sometimes that like a transitional period takes a lot longer than you might ever expect sure. because I have a very low tolerance for my own progress. And if I come up with something or if I accomplish something or even if I finish something professionally or do something and any amount of time has passed, I get really annoyed because I always just want to be progressing further and I want to be like not just the best version of myself, but the best version of anyone of any human ever. Yeah. And I just yeah. I, I'm I'm hard on myself in that way where I'm like, well, if I'm not getting if I'm, if I'm not exponentially growing, what are we going to do? I mean, I'm 35 now when, when in five years I'm going to be 40 and I'm going to just be like a little bit further along. What, uh, like and, and, and that to me uh, is something I'm actively trying to stop doing. And it's a lot of the time it's thanks to her that I have been like a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause I think that thought process is paralyzing. If you're like thinking about like, where am I going to be in five years? It's who the fuck knows? Well, the, well, the, the, I mean, it's the theme of this show, Mm -hmm. uh, led me to sort of think about what's the most kind of crystallized thing I could point to. And it's a, it's a thing where when I started going to regular therapy, this person helped me pull myself out of this pocket of time. Right. But the middle to end of 2014 to the middle of 20 or like the early part of 2015, I think was the most condensed, concentrated, bad that has ever been. Just like, here, hey, here you, you want all the trauma for your life? Here it is. Yeah and, yeah. and anytime anyone ever asks me anything like professionally or relationally, like as far as what they know about a breakup I had or, mm-hmm. or, or a professional thing, and they're like, oh, whatever happened with that? I do like a deep breath and go, well, all this stuff happened 
And they're like, well, how, wh- what period of time was that? I'm like, oh, it was, um, you know, like October 2014, uh, February 2015. And they're yep. like, what? They can't believe it. Um, Isn't that insane? I know it's like a dumb adage, but like the idea of like when it rains, it pours. Like everything, I had like a six month period or eight month period where it was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. How can more shit get heaped on? Yeah. And I was not. Uh, prepared at the time to have any sort of a sense of humor about it Mm -hmm. whatsoever so i was just utterly devastated and i can um i'll go from i'll go from front to back so like the most recent please I'll, i'll end with the most recent so um i had a writing partner that i wrote television with right we our like most recent job had ended we had an opportunity to uh interview for another show together which we did we nailed the interview um (laughs) they had announced that the showrunner was going to be someone that we both knew and had worked with before previously which we thought made us a lock right two weeks later hadn't heard anything about it i piped up to my agent was like are we still in the running she said yes you're still in the running my writing partner who i'd worked together with on five different jobs made like all my money in the industry with hit me up in a two-line email, no subject, I think, saying, hey, just to let you know, I'm up for this job by myself as well as with you. Just another facet of our, or just just the next evolutionary step in our partnership. And I said, huh? "Huh?" I immediately texted and said, did you send this guy a sample of yours? And she said, no, I don't have a sample. I was like, well, what happened? He said, he just texted me and said, would you want to work on this by yourself? And this is a kind of a weird thing where I (laughs) talked to some other employees that I'd worked with before, Uh, with her and they were like he doted on her in this weird way i don't want to i would love to separate that from the fact that she's very funny and smart in a room she's a very talented tv writer there was a lot of inappropriateness going on at least on his end maybe whatever it was was not okay and he just straight up hired her without me and that led my agents to go okay uh you got to get your own sample off the ground right now. And it could be like untraditional, non-traditional if you want. And I said, okay. And I wrote a one act play, which Uh they read and then immediately went, I can't get excited about this, which means I can't get excited about you. So they dropped me. What? Then my manager dropped me based on just like one fucking thing. Yeah. We write things all the time and a lot of them are shitty. We're just like not successful in the way that we wanted to be. Hey brother, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, then I went on a a European trip with my uh, then partner and, uh, another couple Mm -hmm. that was, was insane and i knew the day before we went this is not going to work out we had opened up our relationship to become uh i guess poly i don't know okay um it would be what dan savage calls a pud poly under duress which is when oh, you open up your relationship because like, the other person is like i need to open it up or else i'm gonna leave it's a hail mary it's hail like, mary please please i'll try anything please yeah. Well, I can do this. It makes mm-hmm. sense for me. And, no, you know, it actually, I'm actually, it's better for me to actually do this. I don't, monogamy is such an outdated construct. Yeah, I think and I, like the Kinsey scale is fluid and whatever. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'll, maybe I'll fuck a guy. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I will. And I'm definitely not going to cry myself to sleep. It's cool. Never. I've honestly never had an uncomfortable night's sleep with you, my sweet partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we got back from that trip first week of January, broke up the next week uh, for good. Was the trip okay? Trip was a bit of a fun nightmare, like an all expenses paid European trip uh, with another couple who paid for us to basically go on their honeymoon with them um, while they were sort of like imploding a little bit too. Oh, God. Right after their wedding. I mean, it was like one of the most surreal, insane things. One of my friends has always 
like you talk about this trip like it was the most traumatic thing in the world but you went to venice paris and dublin and it was all expenses paid yeah. and i'm like it was a beautiful wonderful uh you know it was like a nightmare with great scenery it was a uh, a gold-plated whip yes exactly yeah. like it was a it was a turd but the turd came in a box of like fine 24 karat gold that you could then oh, sell at the end of the trip the most beautiful turd box you've the ever seen. most beautiful turd box and if you, you could have used a paper bag but no and yeah. if you power wash that box, it's as good as new. No one knows sure. there's a turd in it. Yeah. There's not an indentation for you the turd. You great pictures of Dublin and Venice, so. You could put your Polaroids in there. Yeah. Um, we came home. We broke up. Um, that was really weird and, and, and spooky. And uh, the fallout from that was strange. In that time, I was uh, running out of money, really running out of mm-hmm. money, um, to the point where I had no money. And I you borrowed what, like 29 or something? I was 30. 30. So that's uh, like at the point where like, I feel like if that happens in your late 20s, like this sucks, but it's like, okay, I'm looking around. I feel all right. But once you get that just little, I got that extra, it's a three and not a two. This feels bad. Yeah. There's this, there's this weird sort of, um, uh, societal pressure that you put on yourself. You're like, well, I'm 30, I'm 31. I need mm-hmm. to be like, I need to, I need I to sh- be a person. I need to be a person. I yeah. shouldn't be living like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I was like, I have a partner and we're evolved and we're good. And like, we're going on this trip with these cool people. And, and we're also open-minded. And we're open. <laughs> and, we're, mm-hmm. and yes, sure. We are at an underground Paris discotheque on new year's Eve. And my partner is telling me it would be really hot and cool if you went over and danced with some of those guys. And I was like, yeah, maybe I will. And then I realized I don't really want to do that. Uh, I'm okay. It's new year's. Can I spend it with you, please? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> thankfully we've like, we're, we're, so cool now and such yeah. good pals, which time. is great. Time it does that to most time things, is it turns so great. Out. Yeah. Uh, okay, so ran out of money, borrowed money from my little brother. Mm-hmm. That's a cool look. Um, then one of my best friends from school and out in LA uh, just died, mm-hmm. just totally died. Mm-hmm. And um, then, oh, and then everything got great. No, it didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, then yeah, then we like were planning his memorial while I was figuring out if I was ever going to work again. And uh, yeah, I, I got a job a couple months later and started picking myself up up off the ground. But it was so fight or flight that I like immediately started dating someone else. Yep. I immediately found another job and was so proactive about that that I think I shoved every other sort of emotion about it down and just went full steam ahead. You're broke. Mm-hmm. You owe your brother money. You need to be with someone. You just met someone great. That's cool. That thing's going to work out perfectly. Just keep going. You can pick yourself up. And I like looked in my rear view a couple years after that and went, Oh, yeah. That was really fucked up. Yeah, I mean, well, how much of that, like, that whole, like, thought process you just outlined was conscious in any way? At the time, not at all. Yeah, so it was just like, I feel like that's the thing is like, oh, I feel okay because I am distracting myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I, I, uh, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, <laughs> but uh, uh, one of my therapists, that's right, I got two, um, a while ago, just very... Uh, said that like you know mourning isn't linear and i was like huh because she's like you know that you're talking about the five stages of grief and like you're denying it and then the bargaining and then you get to like the uncomfortable stuff of anger or whatever and like that shit is very uncomfortable so you go back to denial or bargaining because it's the once you get to the the place of discomfort then you're like no 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 let's go back oh yeah that's how you like you get distract yourself with like either denying it or bargaining by like i got this new thing i got this new thing everything's great I had a yeah, I had a couple years where I was just like 
and it's it's very funny to have listened to Noah's episode and gone like, well, I got to find another angle of this because like we had a lot of the same emotions. Sure. I mean, him and I mean, obviously, listeners, if you're following, we're talking about the late, the great, the perfect asshole, yes, Harris Whittles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he and I had like a bit of an uncomfortable uh, past, like when he passed uh our last actual full conversation was like a text argument that started as like a twitter argument right and i just sort of like put my head down and tried to forget about that as we were all planning his memorial and like sure. getting up on stage in front of like <laughs> mike sure and sarah silverman and scott ackerman and chelsea peretti and aziz ansari and just being like ha Hey everybody! Uh, I think I might have made a joke about how I was looking for representation. I don't. I can't remember if I did that. Kind of blacked that out. I'm, I I can't remember if if I uh, had the foresight to know that that would have been really funny or really bad. But um, uh, yeah, like I felt like a huge fraud for mourning. Right. I kind of thought because I knew some stuff. Oh, he's in rehab, whatever. That it would have just been like he's fine or he will be fine or it's not up to me to worry about him. And, uh, and so when I read the news, I like was just, I didn't leave my house for like three days and was like talking to all my friends on the phone for hours. And then we had to actually start planning a memorial. And I was like, this is insane. The night that, I mean, this is, if I ever make my, uh, grandiose white guy indie movie this will absolutely be a scene in it but my ex who he had just broken up but was sort of trying to be there for me was also making a children's television show at the time as a director and sometimes producer and sometimes actor maybe um uh that ended up somehow also being sponsored content for Chipotle. Uh-huh. Like this town is uh, truly no, garbage. Well, I mean, if you want one thing, it's uh, you want burritos and kids stuff. Yeah. With, with yeah. a strong environmental message. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but so the night that he uh, died, we all ended up going to uh, Armin Weitzman's house. Mm-hmm. Um, who lived by uh, the UCB theater. We all went and just sort of like ordered pizza and sat around and kind of didn't know how to react, but were kind of somberly toasting. And it led to people just getting absolutely wasted. Of course. Um, Because that's like a thing that like somehow, even though it's like navel gazing, it does remind you of your own, your your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Because like I am, this is putting a fine point on this, these terrible feelings and that's like the the inverse of what you're trying to get over absolutely and so we were just like uncorking bottle after bottle of whatever and Mm -hmm. eating pizza and sitting around and sort of telling stories but a lot of the stories were just tinged with like this was like kind of a fucked up thing right and everyone's like yeah Yeah. um one thing i did like is that we started at a bar and we all put on uh an entire fish album oh sure i I always forget that he was such a crazy fish fan the the biggest fish fan i've ever met but we put an entire album on the jukebox paid for it and then left oh that feels very appropriate which is what he would have i mean that like to to, to actually say this is what he would have wanted that is actually what he would have wanted um but then we all went wound up back at armin's we're all drinking i'm my my ex is texting me we're going back and forth and um they were saying you know i'm i'm leaving uh my shoot i can pick you up if you want if you don't want to be alone and i said 
uh, okay, that that actually sounds nice. Sure. Sure. And uh, I get a text that my, you know, my ride is here and I say goodbye to everybody and I get in the car and my ex turns to me in a full, like Andrew Lloyd Webber-esque face full of animal makeup and like a fake mane because they, becoming just having been on set Uh for this children, making children's television dressed like a full animal, like, Jellico cat style wolf person. That's like a fever dream. Yeah. I mean, it could not have been more surreal. And then we went back to the apartment that we used to share together and like slept in a bed uh, together. And in the morning, I woke up so hungover at like 6 30 in the morning and, uh, you know, kissed that person goodbye, who then turned to me and said, Be kind to yourself today. And I said, Okay. I'll try. Not bad advice, though. Not bad advice. I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it wasn't until two or three years after that that I I wrote like a whole little essay about it. And a lot of people reached out to be like, it just was such a weird paralyzing, like on one side, it's just people being like, this is the most wonderful person I've ever met. And other people not really saying much. And I wrote a thing that was like, the last conversation we had was a fight. Like we used to, this guy was like kind of a dick, but also the funniest person I've ever met. Um, but just having all those feelings swirling around such a bad, weird time. And so I feel like living out here and existing and like trying to do good work is, has been like the name of the game. But at the same time, it's also like crawling out of this weird hole that got opened up like four ish years ago. Right. Um, but I'm always like very hypercritical of it. And the first thing that my therapist said when I told her about all those things is, do you really think like, or she said, what's more likely that, you know, the universe is conspiring against you and like has cursed you and has deemed you, you know, uh, unfit to, you know, exist or succeed or that sometimes shit happens in such a way that it just really happens and it all happens in a row. And I was like, so what you're asking me is like, do I think I'm really special Mm -hmm. (laughs) or that shit happens? Um, I guess probably shit happens. Yeah. It's nice to everybody wants to think like, oh, I mean, there was a bit of a time for me Mm -hmm. where I feel like um, some of my identity was kind of entwined with this uh, notion of like bad shit or trauma. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I feel like there's, it's like, that's a little bit of growing up, right? Like you're a kid and you're taught that you're special and you get older and you're like, I'm still special. And then you realize like, oh, there's a lot of people just like me, but you still like in the back of your head, maybe I'm a little special. And then you get thrown to the wolves of, you know, life Mm -hmm. of being broke, of being whatever people dying. And then you're like, oh, shit sucks. And I'm not special. But if you go down that road enough for like the trauma part, it's like, oh, this is the thing that makes me special because I'm able to soldier through this. Yes. And my experiences. And then at the end of the day, it's just like, no, I'm, it's not that I'm not special, which is that everybody fucking is. Everyone is to some extent. I mean, I also think just people pick up on what is sort of standing out about you. I, I, I look back on, that year, like the rest of 20, this is the weirdest part is that the rest of 2015, I was on again, off again with like a really wonderful, cool, exciting person. And when we weren't together, strangers were just finding me. Like I do not have any sort of luck on dating apps at all. Mm -hmm. Still don't never have, probably never will. Don't know why uh, my stock answer is just, you got to get to know me. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so I'm a slow burn. I think so yeah. because people were just sliding like banana peel style into my DMs, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook sometimes. People were like, I, I think I live in San Francisco. I'm going to be in LA. I want to meet you. I'd be like, me? How? Yeah. And it's just like, I do yeah. think there is a little bit of, because uh, I noticed when right after like, in the context of like divorce, mom dying, sick stuff, right after like was coming out of that fog. I don't know why, but similar thing. Like I, without even trying, I was catnip. Yep. And I was like, why? I am a broken person right now and I can't sustain anything real. Is that why? Is everybody, or is everybody looking for like, I want to help because everybody in theory, in essence, has a nurturing vibe and they want to, that makes them feel good. I think the simplest version of it that doesn't implicate you and or your trauma in any way or them and their desire to help for both of us, Mm -hmm. I think, is that it's the truest and it's the only time that when you're not looking for it, it'll come to you is ever true. Because when people say that, when you're like, I just want to meet someone and like settle down and you're still looking, you know, when you're not looking for it, uh, that's when it finds you. And it's like, that's bullshit. That's not true. It's not true to the extent that like, the reason apps exist is because you want to put yourself out there and go, I'm literally exactly looking to be in a relationship. And then someone goes, so am I. And then they meet. But I think that when you have so much tragedy fall upon your shoulders in such a small amount of time and like, and you had a true trifecta and I had a bunch of stuff that was all concentrated. I think it's less like you're a marked man to be like someone save this man. And it's more like, uh, you couldn't possibly be looking for it if you tried right now. Right. Because you have so much more on your mind. You have such bigger fish to fry. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're unavailable. It just means you're unavailable to be so fixated on it. Right. So if someone's like, hey, I'm in town. Like, I'd love to get a drink with you. And you go, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. You actually mean it. You mean, okay, sure, let's do it. But yeah. you're not going, cool, okay, um, you know, I know a couple of great bars. Uh, do you like bourbon? Do you like whiskey? Do you like scotch? Um, yeah. You, oh, okay, do you like, okay, so you're more of a wine girl. That's cool. Uh, instead of doing that, you're sort of just floating it out there that you're okay. Because that, that, this is what I would do. And some of it would be people who had no idea that I had any connection, any sort of tragedy or any sort of breakup or any sort of professional uh, uh, misstep. They mm-hmm. would just be like, Hey, you seem cool and funny because you're tweeting funny stuff. And I'd go, oh, yeah, hi. Yeah. Um, and now, and like when I look back on it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, it doesn't happen as much or as often anymore. And I mistakenly like last year was thinking, oh, is it just because I'm like not as sad? I Probably. I think because there's uh, to some degree. I mean, what is I was saying this to somebody uh, today, like the adage of like, this is like an actor context, but like uh, busy people have the best auditions. Because you don't have time to, like, think about, like, it's the same thing of, like, uh, um, when your needs are met, like Maslow's hierarchy of need. Like, if you have food and shelter, uh, you can worry about other shit. But if you don't, you don't have time to worry about if you're fucking sad. Yeah. So it's like, if you're, if you're literally, like, I'm just trying to stay above water, you're not thinking about, like, where are the boobs? Like, yeah. so it's not, you don't have ulterior motives. You don't have any sort of desperation. You're just coming at things, like, open, open-handed, like, okay. I'm amenable to this. Uh, I got a bunch of other things on my plate and on my mind. So if it doesn't, that's fine. Maybe yeah. I'll just make a friend. And that's, I can honestly use a friend. Right. And, and I think I, that is also like somehow very uh, enticing because a lot of people don't want to be friends. No. They just want like, I want this one thing. And if it's not that, pass. 
and honestly, for a year, I think I had a lot of that. And it's even, even one, just one year after that I had, I was like feeling a little bit better, a little bit like less shaky with things. I was like, I think I'm maybe ready to pursue something a little bit more serious. Mm -hmm. And I, I had like a three in a row period of having somebody, having someone ask me out or hearing that someone's interested in me going out with them, having a great time, having like a top 10 make out or mm-hmm. night and going, Oh my, it's, having that cocky happening. walk away going, sure. Oh wow. I guess I'll just have to ghost this other person because like, yeah. I think I'm about to have a girlfriend mm-hmm. and then setting up that aforementioned, uh, second date and then going, Oh Dave. Oh, um, this was just a one. I thought we, we were having fun. I'm, I had such a good time, but I have to, I have to be honest and say that like, somebody from a little while ago that I did like we weren't really like we didn't have really much of a label but we've kind of been talking a little uh-huh. bit and we're gonna give it like a shot for real and I was like oh well congratulations I'm glad I was able to be the bargaining chip to yeah. push you but that's another like that was me going oh my just not sad anymore and a therapist going like what are you talking about no yeah. like it's good that you're not it's good that no. you know more th- more about what you want because I think it helps you waste your time less because yes. now when that stuff happens to me, when, when like somebody DMs me or I meet someone at a party and I'm like, maybe I'm way more apt to just go, no, nah, this doesn't feel like it's that the theory is it's got to be a hell. Yeah. Right. Which I think makes a lot of sense because I think I've passed the age where you can just go like, well, that this is might a, be a fun three days. That is an interesting point. Cause I, uh, uh, have not been dating for a very long time. And in theory, you know, will dip my toes back in those waters at some point. And it is like, feels like I am now of the age of like, what do I want? And also is there time for, um, casualness? And if you, but if you don't allow yourself to like see where things are, then you, you could be shutting a lot of doors before you get the opportunity to really like, to your point, like you gotta get to know me. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like that. Myself included. Like you just like sometimes have to like, oh, you can ease into something as opposed to like, well, it wasn't electricity right off the bat. Cause like also that's not sustainable generally speaking. Yeah. And which, which I've thankfully learned recently as somebody who, I mean, I spent like the first half of my twenties being like, I don't, how much are you supposed to like someone? I don't know. Like I had a couple little relationships and one really long term one, but then when I, got closer to 30 i was like oh you can be whoa you can lose your mind over someone whoa shit okay oh that's what oh okay this is what they tell you about right and i don't think i've had like quite the exact midpoint of that uh and so now when i approach things i'm like oh yeah the people who are like way more down to be super casual tend to be younger which means like you're gonna get people i mean whatever i've i've tweeted about it i also think it's ridiculous that the older you get, if you wear glasses and tuck in your shirt, you're like a zaddy sure. <laughs> because the bar is set so low for a straight dude just to be like, and I'm not saying like we're all garbage, we're all stupid, we're all dumb. But I do think, look, just because I bought a pair of brown pants and I like I have some boots that I like that I wear now, that doesn't mean that I've figured anything out beyond like I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to pay your college tuition. Well, I know, but I do think like to your point, like the bar is pretty l- low in general. Cause I think there's a lot of, and I don't know, I've not been on their side, but like, uh, people just inherently not being intrinsically kind. 
And just, yeah. like the, just like the notion of ghosting or all of those things or not being up front or, uh, I think the bar is set pretty low. So if you're like a, a decent person, it's like a little bit like you're an anomaly. Yeah. But also, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that is maybe self-congratulatory in, in, a, in a detrimental way. But um, I don't know how we got so much into romantic talk. But I want to go back to um, when you had, like, uh, you know, losing a friend, mm-hmm. which is, you know. Really the, fun. Uh, really fun. And on the scales of, like, going through a, a breakup and uh, also a breakup professionally, those things are very traumatic. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't have the same finality and a lot of people don't have the same level of empathy because it's like, oh, yeah, we've all been through this shit or, yeah. you know, whatever. But like when that happened, did it kind of give you perspective as to the other sort of things that you're reeling over or was this you're too far in the weeds to even recognize what was going on? It's certainly I, looking back. I do feel like it was fairly fight or flight and I haven't, um, I haven't talked about this too much just because it, is a little bit heavy, but it's also, I'll just say it because it was a brief window of time Mm -hmm. and it didn't stick around and it also came on so slow. I didn't even really realize what was happening, but I had this thought of like, I don't have my partner. I don't have my writing partner. I don't have like the, you know, when you're a writer in Los Angeles, you need the validation of representation who are going to the line. If I can't get, passionate about this material i can't be passionate about you which means i can't uh like sell you to people who might be in a position to hire you that's a brutal way to phrase that yes and you know in that uh because of that i think that she was this agent was correct in avoiding eye contact with me when i saw her in a at a wedding a year later so i would have done the same thing name redacted right uh but i remember being in my room in my apartment Sans friend, sans writing partner, sans representation, sans uh, romantic partner, and thinking, and sans money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, sans or sans? I think you go either way. It's like homage and homage, probably. I've never said homage. Uh-huh. One of them's wrong. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm probably wrong. Nice. But I remember, fancy I remember sitting in this big room in this house <laughs> I was living in that I was paying, I believe, $900 a month for. Sure. I remember looking around and going, oh man, I don't even have that much stuff. It just like costs so much money to exist in this house. And I was like, this just costs so much money to exist, period. And then I remember going, if I was like not a solid, I could live anywhere. I was like, if I was a gas or a vapor, I could just like live in the air. And then I was like, if I just like didn't exist, I wouldn't have to pay rent. And then I went, Oh my God, am I suicidal? Mm -hmm. And it was true. And I, and as far as the like vagueness of some of those memories go, that was the most salient memory I ever had of that whole period of going, Oh my God, I just climbed a stepladder really slowly to being like, to not wanting to live. And that took care of itself pretty fast. Like it, it, it went away as soon as I was able to, get a job because it's really important to me to just feel like you're an important member of society. Like just sitting, sitting structure and feeling like you have purpose. Yeah. And like sitting in a room that you're paying too much money for not working and just dwelling on trying, you know, trying to write probably a shitty pilot about everything that was happening to me in my life while also 
pushing down all of the emotions associated with like a lot of really bad stuff happening at once was like a really bad combo for me. But, um, that sort of sense of loss gave me perspective. I think, I think overall, because stuff can be stuff like things can be rough now Mm -hmm. and have been and will be again and everything, but I'm not broke. I'm not alone. Uh, I have people I can talk to who can relate. I'm, I'm, there's some like addiction stuff that's kind of happening now with, mm-hmm. uh, some people I know. And I think if I had no perspective, it would be a lot harder to deal with, but it seems like everything, at least for now is going to be fine. I've learned to keep a little bit of a handle on it. I get a little, I'd say my one sticking point now that keeps me from grounding myself or having perspective is, uh, social media. Sure. I wish that I would substitute it for something else. I wish I could just like read a New Yorker cover to cover if I was uh, scared that I was going to spend my morning on Instagram. But, um, right. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it is a a great time suck and uh, a false reality and a highlight reel for everybody. And it is not nothing. I don't think it's intrinsically bad. I think just the degree to which we become accustomed to it and how it becomes like a, like a phantom limb when we don't have it around is the problem. Yeah. I like that you can keep tabs on people you haven't seen forever. Like I oftentimes don't see you for months at a time. Like I kind of know what's going on with you. Yeah. That's nice. Same. Um, that experience of, cause I think it is a very, uh, universal and human thing to even just like casually kind of entertain the idea of like, do I want to be alive? Yeah. I think is, uh, I think it's something that everybody considers at one point, even if it's just like on a hypothetical, if it's a theoretical, uh, dynamic, but what did that, what did that do for you in that moment? And also, is it something like you feel like once that's a door that's open, like, Oh, I know that this is a possibility that it's, uh, it has galvanized my uh, want to live or. Well, it's now I view it through the lens of joy mm-hmm. and I don't have any philosophical, religious, spiritual grounding about it. But I do think about the thing I think about most all the time is the concept of joy and filling your life with things that make you legitimately actually happy. My one tangible recent example is I went to go see the snow <laughs> two oh, weeks ago. Sure. I went to uh, Mount Baldy, which is a place I've literally never been to before. Just like a ski resort, 45 minutes away. It's nuts. It's so close. It's I, w- I told people that I went and they were like, how, what is it? Is it like two and a half, three hours away? No, it's yeah. truly the length of a uh, rush hour drive from the East side to the Fox lot. Right. It's the same amount of time. And then you're there. And it was on a Saturday. I got invited to go by a couple of people who were just like, we want to go see the snow. It wasn't, we're going to go ski. It was like, maybe we'll go tubing if the rentals are available, but I just got this random, uh, invitation. And normally because I'm trying to lock down a, a new position or trying to like develop stuff, I try to spend as much of my weekends and my free time writing as I can. Right. But I know that on a Saturday that to me looks like 
I sleep in, I dick around, maybe I try to drink coffee, I make a breakfast for myself, or I walk somewhere, I pay too much money for an egg scramble somewhere, and then I sit down, I get distracted, I ran into someone I know, we talk for 20 minutes, I put my headphones in, I start listening. an hour. Yeah, Yeah. I listen to a podcast instead of my Spotify playlist that helps me actually focus, Um, and then at the end of the day, I've written a page and a half, one page, a paragraph, I've dicked around in a Google Doc, I've sent an email, and then it's dark, and then I go out and, you know, have three drinks and come home at 1 Mm a.m., Instead, I was like, yeah, I'll go to the snow. And I had so much fun. And the next day, I got a ton of writing done. And I felt great about it. And I think that as much as I can, I need to replace the feelings of emptiness and the feelings of what makes a life, what justifies being alive with going. You know, if there's a movie that I love that would bring me joy to watch right now, I should do it. If there's a drive I can take, if there's a hike I can do. I've never like entertained thoughts that are darker than the ones I had at that time period. I've come back to the sort of like hopelessness aspect of it because I think it's scary the older you get. I remember when I was kind of really coming up in the biz Mm -hmm. and by that I mean just, and it's such a youth obsessed town, but when people get excited about something you've done because you're young, yes, like my, inroads into the into the entertainment industry where i made a uh series for warner brothers with friends of mine when we were like 24 Did something knob was it called it's called downers grove downers, Gro- downers grove i was gonna say gobbler's knob gobbler's knob is that a real place i think it's in some wait no gobble like gobble that's like that's a blowjob no well gob- yeah gob- gobbling knob but i think gobbler's yeah. knob is like in some movie or something i think you're the i think it was smuggler's cove <laughs> Yeah. There's <laughs> Gobbler, a lot of Gobbler's Knob is, uh, that's the porn version of Downers Grove. No, we made, yeah. uh, friends and of mine it made. She did very well. It, oh, it that started was, a lot of careers. Is it still on the air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's doing very well. Ah, son of a bitch. It's got its own porn, porn hub channel. We made a very, yeah, I made a very expensive uh, thing on Warner Brothers Dime with my friends. It got on some people's radar. It didn't really go anywhere, but, uh, I started doing stuff at Upright Citizens Brigade straight out of college, started doing shows everywhere. And just the idea of like being a scrappy little kid, being 23, 24, 25, making dumb videos, hosting a show, putting up a scripted show at a theater, shooting something that led to starting a blog with a friend. And that's when we were, I think I was 26 and she was 23. That turned into a book because somebody like saw it explode on Tumblr. I remember that was like, that was like, I was like, that's a fucking big deal. It was, it was a huge deal. I mean, you're two years younger than me. So you're like 26 or something. I was like, he's got a book at 26. Yeah. 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 And then, and it was like an urban outfitters book. It didn't, it's a kitschy book, but it's still a fucking cool book and a good idea. And it was very funny. Yeah. I picked it up a couple months ago and I was like, some of this isn't mortifying. It's, it's, it's slightly less problematic than you'd think for coming out in 2010. But then because somebody saw a poll quote of ours in the LA times in a Valentine's day issue, somebody from a production company wanted to turn it into a movie. It being the IP based around our book, which was a nonfiction urban outfitters toilet yeah. book about why you'd never want to date someone about like dating sucks. Right. Which is everything ever. Mm-hmm. But that happened. There was a bidding war about it. They were like, it's actually going to be a TV show. It, uh, went around to a bunch of people writers pitched on it the writers that decide that that won the bidding war to write the pilot based on our book were it wasn't us it uh-huh. was the creators of don't trust to be in apartment 23 sure. they abc picked that pilot instead of the one we that was written about us then we got hired to write on that show and then we got to have a career 
yada, yada, everything that happened after that. But what I, I keep thinking about sometimes is I'm like, oh, giving a shit about somebody's web thing they made for Warner Brothers or giving a shit about someone's blog is I think a lot easier for some people in power to do when you're, when the person in question is 25, 26, 24. Sure. So, cause, and I see a lot of like internet comedy content that is actually good, but it's almost always done by people who are 10 years younger than me. And so I'm always like super self-conscious, but like I just wrote something that I'm going to do with a friend. It's like just like a three page short that's going to probably just go up on Twitter or whatever. And I have weird self-conscious thoughts where I'm like, who's going to fucking give a shit about well, this? I also think it's a little bit of like, uh, it's too late. I can't, I, this has to be better now because like I was yes. younger. Like I know I've said this on this podcast <laughs> before, but like it was the whole idea of like, um, uh, after, uh, um, you know, one of the greatest novels ever, great Gatsby. Mm -hmm. He, Fitzgerald was like off the success of that, the critical and also financial, like he was like, well, the next one has to be really good. So then it became this paralyzing thing where like the more time that would go by, the more like he felt like it had to be good. And I think it's the same thing for like, well, now I'm old. I can't get away with doing some dumb like little thing. And also now I'm, I have credits. I'm a professional person. Yeah. If like, if I just, I can't just dick around because then are people going to be like, he's dicking around. Is he not working right now? Like, what is he a loser? What did, what did his last job not go well? And it's like, shut up. And all those thoughts are just coming from within. Also, mm -hmm. weird that you bring up that Gatsby thing. Cause this morning, I literally this morning, I watched the 2000 uh, classic the best, the best Wonder Boys. Oh, one of my favorites. Which I hadn't seen since it came out, but it literally is about a guy who writes a novel that people love. And then the next thing he's you know, paralyzed. He's, he's paralyzed because he's scared it's not going to live up to his previous yeah. work. He's written 2,200 pages. In about, the, about the horse's dentists and shit. It's fucking great. And they talk about it like uh, he was so paralyzed by it. He wrote 2,200. I mean, the moment where his manuscript blows away in the wind mm -hmm. into a river and it's 2,200 pieces of paper, you're like... All right, you're hitting me over the head with it, but I also kind of think it's a pretty good metaphor for yeah. not being so precious with your shit. Because it's like, where I'm at now is, I know that making this dumb little thing that I wrote is going to make me happy. Right. Probably not as actually happy as some professional doofus being like, hey, we know that you're uh, well into your 30s and you're sure. a straight white dude, but this thing you wrote is really cool and uh, yeah. we'd love to talk to you about it. And I don't know... I guess like my main goal and kind of achieving and maintaining stasis and beyond that joy in my life is just, uh, coming to terms with the fact that like we chose this life for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if there's ever a dip and you know, like the stability of working on a show for several years is like very, uh, comforting, but can also feel paralyzing yeah. the, uh, back and forth of like bouncing from, show to show to working for a website to writing a book to doing this to doing that is freeing but also paralyzing in its uh uncertainty yes. like anytime i go oh, my car kind of sucks i kind of want to get another i want to get a new car there's nothing wrong with my car my car works it is a car anytime i'm like oh, i want like a live in a better place my place is great yeah it's not expensive in a town like la every place is nine billion dollars every car is nine billion dollars I'm doing fine. I have clothes on my back and my front. I have food in my stomach, poop in my toilet. 
Why would I say you that part? That. Nah, it doesn't have to be that. I'm scared to Is that flush. Is just a good memory for you? Just like, I, look, I did this. I'm successful. I like to come home every day and say, I did something. Uh, I'd say it's not bad. That's um, really looking at some silver lining, and that's nice of you. Yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, I just think like... I've come so far from the person who was just like, I don't know what my life's going to be. I don't have any money and all this stuff has gone so poorly for me to going. I, I know for a fact that I can crawl out of any hole. And so I think about, I mean, truly you can't take it with you. Like I think about how successful my friend was when he Mm -hmm. died. And I think about like going to his huge, beautiful house for parties and going like, what the fuck man mm-hmm. but you truly can't take it with you and the and also didn't maybe in some degree but didn't fully fulfill him or make him happy or didn't stop the need for other things no it reminds me of uh i love 20th century women and that they yeah. the scene with where they're like watching the jimmy carter speech and he's talking about these things do not satisfy yeah it's like yeah they don't like the things that satisfy day to day are like the connections you make with people the the ways that you can maintain your your sort of like intrinsic connection to the world around you and your family you know i i called my aunt on the way over here who is a just a grade a nut in the best way if she listens to this she will not be offended Mm -hmm. uh you know it's a whole you could do a whole hour on talking about her she has my favorite quote about drugs of all time which is quaaludes were so fun they had to stop making them Mm -hmm. which is like that's such a beautiful yeah it's like a mitch hedberg joke yeah um but i have a really small family my circle of friends shrinks the older i get because People get married and people Isn't move that away. A and weird thing to come to grips with a little bit. It is, but I think it's like the only thing that really makes me feel the only thing that's really hard or like a hard part of coming to grips with that is if I'm ever like on a dating app, which the longest I've ever been on one, I think is like a week or two. Cause mm-hmm. I'll just be like, I can't, I had a really bad date last summer with a girl who, halfway through dropped that sometimes she thinks about uh homeless people like they're animals oh boy and i was like we're done here uh-huh. um well this is you know like the fashion mullet she showed up with didn't help and then yeah but you can look past anything but then she said that uh but anyway when i was looking at hundreds of pictures of women and it's just like i'm at an age where i'm like are you are we gonna is the, it's, it's, are we going to buy property together? So are, yeah. are we going to make a person? Do I want to make a person? Yeah. And then I think about all the people I know that did. And I'm like, you made a person. You had a kid. You had two. You you locked it down 15 years ago. You met someone two years ago and you were like, I'm done. Right. Am I going to get to that point um, with you, uh, Shannon, 33, Culver City? Mm-hmm. Well, you're in Culver City, so that probably doesn't lend too well because I'm on the east side, and that seems problematic. I can't. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna have to have all our dates on like a Wednesday, and like yeah. I have to leave at like four thirty to even uh-huh. beat the train. You know, it's just not gonna work out. Best Sorry, of luck, Shane, to you. Good luck to you. You're, I mean, you're. I. I. You know, I hope your aromatherapy business is thriving. Yeah, uh, and, and honestly, that's a uh, that is a good Janet Jackson quote. <laughs> um, well, it seems like I, I, I. As you're saying all this, it comes. I'm, keep on going back to the moment that you left um, your ex's house who was, you know, dressed like the uh, cat in, I assume, The Lion King. Um, and, cats. Yeah, cats. It was cats. Great. Um, and just saying, like, be nice to yourself today. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. 
do you, how much, uh, it feels like all of this trauma in a short period, at least the way you're articulating it, it feels like that gave you the perspective to perhaps and the permission to do that more. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I got, I have to credit like therapy and sure. talking about stuff more than just perspective, because if I give myself the chance, like I'll beat the shit out of myself and it's, and it's not, it's, I know for, I know it's not a good look. Like I know that if at my like lowest, if I'm working on something and I'm discouraged about it and I'm working with someone else, it's not fun to work with me. I know that if someone's relentlessly optimistic to the point of, uh, delusion that really sets me off. I'm like, everything's mm-hmm. hey, everything sucks. I'm bad. Like we were, what are you trying to tell me about things being good? Look at me. I'm, I suck. Right. Uh, but I get better and better about not doing that. Like the more I, this is a really, such a really small thing, but when my hair started going really mm-hmm. gray, I would go to get my haircut and I couldn't get through a haircut without mentioning it. They would go like, sure. you've got such a, like, oh, you got such a great, like my hair is very thick. Mm-hmm. It is not, I think I will never go bald. If anything, it's I, have not a, going anywhere. I have a preceding hairline. Right. Uh, it's getting lower. Everything's yeah, just going to connect yeah. eventually. My eyebrows are going to connect to my, oh, well, to my. Have you seen Davis in Ewok now? Yeah. He looks, he's the wolf man. He's yeah. the Lon Chaney wolf man, but he's Jewish. Um, but I would always just be like, not to stomp a compliment before it happens, but they'd be like, Oh, you have such like a, such interesting hair. Your hair's so cool. Or you, do you always keep it short? And I go like, Oh, well I used to keep it. I it used to be, I used to, used to have huge puffy. Like I used to have a big curly mushroom cloud, but you know, then when it started going gray, I was like, I don't know if I want to be the guy with the gray fro. And you know, I tried to dye it a few times and it just didn't look right. Um, and they would just kind of go like, Oh, well I think it looks cool. Yeah. And they, and I, and in my, I would always just go to like, you have to say that I'm paying you to cut my right. hair. Um, and, you know, people, women, men, whatever, uh, have complimented it before and gone, you know, like the gray's cool. Like it kind of like is this, uh, dignified or it's like, it's like a, whatever, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you like personality. I'm like, I have a personality. I had one before. Uh, and it was this, we- it's just this weird spiral of like, this isn't what I want to look like, which is a microcosm of kind of my whole life, which is, this is not. The, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, shout out David Byrne, but uh, he's a big fan. Oh God, if only. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think about all that stuff all the time now because I'm able to be nicer to myself moment to moment because there's so many undeniable things. Like I can't lie. I can't delude myself forever and go. No one's ever said a nice thing about my writing. No one's ever said a nice thing about my acting. No one's ever said a nice thing about my appearance, my personality, my demeanor, my ability to connect with people, like uh, my ideas, my creativity. Uh, And a lot of it is just therapized kind of process and going think about actually what the facts are and also just thinking about good interactions I've had with friends. There are weird days where I'm like, I have no friends. And then I'll look at my text messages and go, oh, I... I talked to 15 people yesterday yes, and didn't even think about it. Didn't think about it at yeah. all because it's like, well, this guy doesn't even live in town and she's my friend, but we like work together and uh, this girl who knows what's going on with her. And uh, yeah. I, it's just such a, I guess I just felt just make sure. unprepared for the rigors of day to day adult life. And I don't actually think it gets that much easier when you have 
a spouse or kids or something insanely stable. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. Well, I, th- I, I don't know if it, I don't know. I think it probably in many ways gets more complicated, but I think the thing about it is, is that you uh, don't have the time just to look in the mirror as much. Yeah. I think that's like, <laughs> that's like the thing that is, if you're just by yourself, you have a lot of time to physically and metaphorically look in the mirror. And that's where like this, <sighs> these voices come from. Right. And that's where like, you know, going back to what you were saying about like, uh, you know, you want to do something now, and like you're not critical on the way of these like young younger kids putting stuff up in the way that you'd be on yourself. And you probably felt the same way back then, but there was like a little bit more of a pass. Yeah. But I found um, a thing, I think it like a little bit being lucky enough to work in something for uh, work long enough. And then also just like having getting the shit beat out of me enough. It's made me like a little softer and kinder and less uh, critical and less wanting to hide behind uh sarcasm and recognizing that's all it is is just hiding behind things yeah because like i also recognize that like it takes so many people very very talented people working very hard to make something bad yeah (laughs) and like but take anything anything is something is good it's a fucking miracle right well yeah i mean i i yeah i um Gosh, I was just thinking about have you have you seen a uh, Pen 15 at all? I have not yet. Everybody, I need to. Everybody loves it. It feels small mm-hmm. in scale because it's it's on Hulu, it's 10 episodes. It's about this very special, specific relationship between these two girls, adult women playing uh sixth, seventh, eighth graders. Yeah. But I think seventh, maybe, seventh. But I watched it like with my jaw on the floor because it's so clearly a labor of love mm-hmm. and the difference between that and say even the best network show, which is made by committee, which goes through like so many levels of notes, even that, I mean that show, which is on Hulu, which came from a production company goes through levels of notes, but I was just marveling at it going, my God, I hope they can do this for as long as they possibly right. can. Because you think about what's something on the same kind of scale that people like, a show like Broad City, which mm-hmm. has like the same core of people making it and they made it for five or six seasons or whatever. I hope the rest of the lives of those creators are very nice and fulfilling, but it's just such a weird, interesting thing to go. You get to make you get the chance of a lifetime to make your thing. Right. If your thing is a movie, if your thing is a prestige podcast. Uh-huh. Which like there's more and more of those now. Sure. But like if your thing is all from you ripped from inside of your guts. If you're playing yourself in it, if you're taking real stories, are you going to get to do that forever? Are you going to get to have the lifelong Mike Birbiglia deal of like, you know, Oh, here's the thing that happened to me. Like, Oh, now it's going to be a standup special. Now it's going to be a book. Now it's going to be a movie. And here's another thing that happened to me. And I'm going to just repeat that cycle to great effect. Do you get to do that? Are you going to, do you have to morph into, I made this labor of love that was all me and all based on me. And now from there, I'm going to make a show about a dad who has to right. move in with his son and his cool roommates. And yeah. now it's like three 30 year olds and a 70 year old. And it's like, that story doesn't exist anywhere except it's like a network sitcom that you can, it's just an interesting thing to think about. Well, I do think it like the reason why I think people are responding to that and respond to other things is like, it's so very clear when you can tell like somebody's fingerprints are all over when it's so specific, mm-hmm. when it's so unique and there's like clearly a lot of love poured into it. Um, and I think the same thing, like 
you know, two 30 year olds and a seven year old hanging out. Yeah. It feels like this is probably like we just did like a, a boggle of ideas. Yeah. And that's what came out. doesn't mean there's not merit to it. doesn't mean that no. it can't be interesting or unique, but I do think like it's going to bring a different kind of people joy for sure. But I also think like there's, I feel like what I've, what I've tried to do and we've kind of gotten a little off topic, but what I've tried to do is like, just try not to like, uh, be shitty or judgmental of those things, even though like they may not be for me. They like the show I've worked on forever. I think it's pretty good, but it's yeah. not like if I didn't work on it, I know how hard we work and I think there's great jokes on it. And I think the characters are good, but like if I didn't work on it, I don't think I'd watch it. That doesn't mean necessarily that's not a metric of success. Sure. And, like I remember, I don't know why I thought about this, but I was, cause we were talking about this. I remember like two years ago or something you did like what I thought was a very fun, like a uh, run of like tweets. And that's also just a terrible <laughs> phrase to start oh something God, off here. What is this going to be? But it was about like, um, uh, movies on Netflix that you'd never heard of that you'd watch 15 minutes of. Or something. Oh yeah. Oh man. And, like, I you, love that. And you did like 10 or 12 of them and it was like very funny, but then I look back through and it's like, honestly, Dave, some of these are good ideas. Oh yeah. You, you did comment on if that. It wouldn't come from if like, cause like it was very funny, but like you can, you could, do like your favorite thing. Wonder Boys, I fucking love. But <laughs> I'm sure I could be like, oh, a sad guy whose wife leaves him because he's having an affair can't write a book. And it's like, well, that sounds fucking terrible. You know, like there's a way to present anything to be bad and there's a way to present anything to be like magical. I think one of them was like Donald Glover is a Lyft driver and Anna Kendrick is uh, a poet and he drives her around. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, it, all of the ideas ended with and they both learn a lot about life, love and themselves. Yeah. But I, also that's what every movie is about. Yes. And that's what fucking life is. Yeah. Like it's like such an easy way to like marginalize something. And it is funny because everything's the same fucking story. Mm -hmm. But it's also like. That's kind of what we want. That's why people like the show that I work on because it's the diner of television. Yeah, it's, it's about like life. comforting. It's like it's like you know it's not sexy, but you go there like, hey, that's a pretty good cheeseburger. Hmm. Who knew? Yeah, I mean, you know? I, I, yeah. If, if if there is a way to full circle any of that, I think I think you're absolutely right. And I'm now remembering that you were like supportive of those those tweets or Instagram stories, which I, I I compiled all of them and posted them on mm -hmm. Instagram. And I I I saw it like a couple months ago. I was like, oh, these are funny, but. I think you're right as far as it, one of them, more than one of them, would have made a decent idea. But it also just comes down to like the older you get before you're so established that your name really, really means something. This is like it hasn't even been the hardest lesson. It's just been the most important lesson for me working and surviving in this town because even at my lowest, I'm like, I've been paid to only write yeah. and create things for the last like 11 years yep. which is a long time and it's fucking how many people would kill for that kill. and we're able to be like shitty about it and that's such a luxury and i try so hard not to shit all over myself for my career or like what's going on with me because when i talk to people who are like even a step below or a step less experienced they're like I mean, that all sounds really great. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's not though. It's uh, stupid and bad and you feel bad. And they're mm -hmm. like, well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the idea that you really, oh, wow. Talk about off topic. A million years ago when I was talking about making stuff and I was 25 and 26 and people getting excited about it, there's a natural ebb and flow to that. And I think like the enthusiasm for just purely like, I don't know, I had this idea about like, you know, a guy and he has these roommates and like they throw a party and they're like, Hey man, we could charge money for this party. Whatever. I'm yada yada mm -hmm. a nothing idea. 
But I think if you were like some up and coming stand up dude who, or the woman or whatever your gender identity, but if you were like a cert of a certain age and had a certain amount of like cachet, somebody in a position of power would be like, that sounds like a thing. We'll pay you to write a treatment for that. I think the older you get, the more the impetus is on you to be like, we're not coming after you for your nine log lines. We're not coming after you for your like amazing idea. We're not tracking you down and knocking on your door to work on this show. That doesn't mean we're not going to read your shit. Like come to us with your shit. Basically just the knowledge of there comes a point where people maybe aren't going to just hand you stuff because of who you are or what your name is or how old you are. And you have to just write and create and, that I think is the central idea of joy and where does that come from in my life right now? Because if I just stopped making stuff right now, I'm sure I would have some friends and maybe, maybe an industry person being like, Hey man, like what's up? My manager would be like, Hey, uh, you, you ever finished that script you showed me half of? And if I was just like, Oh, I moved to Maine and, um, I work in a paint store. They'd be like, well, Oh, weird, but okay. Weird, you're going to hate that eventually, but I hope it's something that you want to do. They would never go, no, you ha- we need you here. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, has been like the craziest thing is that after everything, like literally outliving someone who could not have been more poised to be like the next fill-in-the-blank successful person, um, seeing, like experiencing loss and, and people like, I mean, this is a town that makes people want to just fucking die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not enough to just be like comedy's fun man i mean i think the thing i genuinely miss is just being like is having the wherewithal to stay up until 2 a.m because i'm doing a midnight show at 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 the upright citizens brigade theater or going to a show that i am performing and then staying for the next one and then going to the bar next door and drinking four drinks like i think that the quality of life wise when people kind of drop off and stop doing that so much it's because they have a family. It's because they have like a really all consuming job or they're working on their thing. They're making their show. Right. They're making their movie. They're in Vancouver shooting their show that's supposed to take place in New York. Uh, but I think when you're slightly below that, but slightly above having the the resolution to stay out that late and keep making your thing, there's this little nether plane that you can exist on. And for me, I'm like, I still have energy but i also get really sleepy and i like to write but sometimes i just don't have it like today i didn't do shit Mm -hmm. and you want to talk about being nice to yourself i didn't beat myself up about it once but if i get nothing done tomorrow i'll flog myself yeah well i think that is important because i think being self-critical um uh there's definitely a diminishing returns like my thing is like i have to be self-critical to a degree because nobody else is gonna no one else really cares I mean, they may have a, a little bit of a vested interest, but like ultimately, uh, I have to be self-critical. But like to the point where it's doing a disservice to yourself, yep. where you're being unkind. Uh, like, well, the nobody cares thing really hurts because it's not. It really isn't nobody. It's an oversimplification. But the idea that I mean, I, I remember being in a position where people would be like, "We gotta, we gotta talk to this guy." And now it's like I'm going, "Will you talk to me?" And they're like, "Yeah, okay." Which there's a tiny difference, but it. Right. Does, you're talking to someone about your work no matter what. Right. Well, but the idea that someone is going to like come to you and go, oh, yes. Steve, well, I, mean, I even, heard this thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even just beyond like a professional level, like I think a lot of the times that are paralyzing or that you're self-critical about like, oh, I said this thing and that was probably dumb or did that person hate me or whatever. It's like, I think really 
most people have their heads too far up their own asses thinking the exact same thing to care about like this small minutia that you torture yourself over. Oh, it's why it's why the entire concept of Kirby enthusiasm is flawed where it's like no one this guy is like thinking about it's like your greatest fears confirmed. I guess that's why it works. Is that right. like that somebody who noticed your tiny slights and the small little nuance of semantical things that you do. It's like such a weird, I mean, Larry David is like a weird social boogeyman because it is like in real life, no one gives a shit if in passing you say someone to something, say something to someone that's mildly passive aggressive or kind of shitty or is like a non-statement like, um, or it sticks to them for a second. They're like, nah, I have other things to do. He, this, he, that show takes place in a nightmare world where it's like, actually, what if that thing that you were a little self-conscious about was something that was in a man's head forever and he wanted to bring it up to you for, in the course of an HBO show, 30 straight minutes until it ruins your life, your family's life, or his life, or all the above. Right. And I think that's, I've never figured out why sometimes it's too hard for me to watch that show. And it's because it's like your greatest fears confirmed. Kind of. Um. I, I tend to, um, at the end, like ask for a summation for some like advice. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've talked around a lot of things. Um, but I think a lot of it is just like, I think the, the core is like trying to getting older and trying to find like joy and happiness and being kind to yourself. And, um, I don't know, this is just a way to, uh, to, uh, parlay into that. But there was years ago, 12 years ago or something, 10 years ago, there was like, back when it was, I think, uh, Wells Fargo or Washington Mutual, they had like a series of billboards that just said like one, one line. Right. Uh -huh. And there was one that for whatever reason just broke me oh, <laughs> and it was a oh, Wamu no. ad or something. Yeah. But it said your college girlfriend, uh, wants you to know that you used to be broken happy. And it was, just Oh like, God. And it was just like, <laughs> Oh, Oh my God. Like how am I? Oh, I'm, 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 making everything so complicated and like I have all the things that I need or I don't have all the things I need but I, back then I didn't know shit and I didn't have shit and I was a goddamn dream yeah but I'm also probably over nostalgizing that not a word but you get it yeah I get it um I guess just to say that it's like after all the shit that you went through in a very short period how do you keep that perspective to move forward to like you know not want to be a gas that floats around slash not existing <laughs> and be nice to yourself and uh, not overly critical I mean, I think the way that I've been able to do it is just to real. It was really, it was really hard to have someone in my life who seemed to have truly everything going for them. And there was a period of time where I seemed like once a month I would hear about some amazing thing that mm -hmm. was happening to or about Harris. Like, mm -hmm. you know, motherfucker invented the word humble brag yeah. and now people say it like it's been Such in the in cultural the, icon it's been in tone. the lexicon for six years yeah. people talk about it like it's yada yada from seinfeld or whatever like it's crazy because that was like 25 years ago this is it's brand new yeah so he did that and they're like write a book about it and he's like all right and then you know just like everything that happened was just you know green lights and blue skies or whatever and then it all came crashing down and he didn't even have time to enjoy it. And I feel like the trajectory of just hitting every flag, hitting every checkpoint, every green light happens to so few people. 
in any aspect of their life. Like, I don't know. I, I, I guess when I stopped waiting for my life to go like that I, is when I realized like, well, I mean, who does that happen for billionaires, heirs, people who, uh, patent a product, like it's the guy who invented scrub daddy. I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? It just seems, it, it just started to feel so lofty in a way that I started to not feel stupid about it, but I just started realizing, Oh, life is such a process. And like my parents seem very, uh, like their life is kind of has been mapped out for like my dad's had the same job for over 25 years. And there's part of me that goes like, God, that sounds great. Just like knowing where you're going, waking up and going, I'm going to work. And then afterwards I'm going home and then afterwards I'm going to work and then afterwards I'm going home and then we're going to Cape Cod for four days and then we come back and then I'm going to work and I got to go to Washington for, for like a conference in July. But then after that we're back home Mm -hmm. and then we're going to the lake house. They don't have a lake house. I don't know why I said that, but learning to be nicer to myself and learning to find joy in places is, has been and, you know, tomorrow I could wake up and go, there's no joy in my life. I'm miserable. But for Very right fluid. yeah, for right now, it's like the fact that everything is uncertain for everybody. And th- there's uh, very successful seeming couples that if Instagram was any indication, you'd go, they got a great life together. Oh, they, course. oh, my God, they're going to have a kid. Or, oh, they, wow, they bought a home. Or, like, oh, my God, they're getting married that shit ends sometimes a lot of time. And so being single or being between relationships or being between jobs, it's just the harsh truth is life is long. When you feel like life is short, you're really diminishing how long many decades are. Right. Like the fact that I'm going to have 50 or 60 more years on this planet longer than I've been alive helps and it, and you'd think it'd be super overwhelming but i think like if i'm actually going to try to put it into something that sounds like advice it's just a step back and like five deep breaths and go oh you're going to get through this cuz you have to because the other option is not getting through this mm-hmm. and i truly really try not to compare myself to other people but some people have have had so many harsher struggles than me and they claw their way out and it becomes like a great amazing story for them or it becomes like a tale of survival and so if i'm just like i have to quit life because i had a bad run i i would assume that even if my life gets back on track or stays on track for decades my 50s could be really hard sure my 60s could suck like everything could be great and then it's 73 then that's when shit goes down yeah i mean invariably those periods are coming for all of us at some point I don't know. I think 73 is when I'm going to hit my stride. Uh, Do you think? All right. Well, we'll check in. We'll do this again at 73. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Just purely just mind to mind. Please have me back. Don't delete my number. I'll come back at 73. Sold. Okay. 100%. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. That was delightful. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Nothing else would do. And there you have it. Another episode of Terribly Funny for the Books. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Dave, Dave Horwitz, thank you so much for taking time out of your weekend to come and chat with me about some stuff that, ooh, was not so fun. But you know what? We made it fun. Or you made it fun. And I just listened. 
Thank you so much for taking time out, buddy. I really appreciate it. Um, if you want to see what else has happened with Dave, you should, by the way, because he's great. Check him out on Twitter. It's at Dave underscore Horwitz. That's at Dave underscore H-O-R-W-I-T-Z. He's wonderful. Thank you again, Dave. A couple other thank yous. Thank you to Julia Pot and Kingdom Flying Club for art and music. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes that I cannot do. And thank you to you guys. I think you're great. You're the people I want to spend time with. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you have a great week. And I love you. 